This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review, speaking with Danielle Lerner, who I've never met before, but reached out uh, via Twitter. So uh, we're going to talk some college basketball. Danielle, thank you very much for doing this. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Oh, my pleasure. Um, how did you get started covering sports or just, just basketball? How did that? How did your career start? Uh, I mean, I went to, you know, I just always knew I wanted to do journalism of some sort and, you know, always was a big sports fan. And so I decided pretty early on I wanted to do sports journalism, uh, went to school and, and got a degree in sports journalism from the University of Missouri. And then was lucky enough to get an opportunity right out of school um, in Louisville uh, at the Courier-Journal, the local paper, and, you know, had a, a, dabbled in a bunch of different uh, sports over my four years almost four years there, um, three years, I guess, but ended up, you know, finishing it out my last year there as the, the beat writer for the Louisville men's basketball team, um, and then continued covering that team with the athletic uh, for another year. Um, so I've been in, you know, like strictly college basketball sphere for a couple of years now, and I'm really excited to continue that, covering the Memphis Tigers for the Daily Memphian. When you got to the a courier journal you mentioned you did a little bit of everything what before you became the beat writer for louisville what other things did you cover uh well i was hired on as like the general assignment sports reporter. well actually i started as an intern so that was really like whatever they needed me to do but then mm-hmm. i got hired on a couple months later as general assignment sports reporter so it was mainly covering um louisville city fc which is the uh professional soccer team here um, and then doing a lot of women's college basketball, which I loved. Um, a lot of horse racing, of course. Um, that's kind of a, a given here in Derby City. Um, mm-hmm. You know, college sports at both Kentucky and Louisville, like really, really everything. Um, some random high school fe- features here and there. So, um, yeah, I've always loved watching basketball as a fan. I played soccer and tennis growing up, so those are kind of my, my two true loves. Um, but I always watched a lot of basketball, you know, grew up in the Bay Area where, you know, we have a lot of college teams, um, but also the Warriors who I grew up watching them and liking them even when they used to suck. Um, so I guess now they suck again, but life goes full circle like that. So, um, it's been really, really fun to kind of get into college basketball in cities that really, really love the sport. See, I didn't, I didn't know you, uh, Part of your time was covering women's college basketball. Did you cover uh, Coach Walls at Louisville as well? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was the primary person who covered women's basketball during my entire time um, at the Courier Journal. And, um, you know, I I used to cover both men's and women's uh, hoops in college um, as well. So I was kind of familiar with it. And, of course, the Louisville women's program um, has done amazing, amazing things under Jeff Walls. And it's been, you know, I got to cover. Uh, the the Final Four um, in 2018 when they went there and got to cover players, you know, like Maisha Hines-Allen and Asia Durr and Jasmine Jones, who are all, you know, now playing professionally. Okay, cool. Um, I met Coach Walls a few years ago at, at uh, in Indianapolis at one of the media mock selection exercises. And I remember him being surprised when I mentioned to him how sparse attendance was here in Houston 
compared to Louisville home games. And I was like, no, Coach, y'all may have a tennis for one game be the total for the entire season for what I see here in Houston. That really surprised him and disappointed him as well. But what describe the transition from the Courier Journal to the Athletic. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was also a, an interesting transition. Um, you know, it was, A, going from a daily news environment to, you know, at the Athletic, it's not a daily news environment. It's much more long-term, in-depth storytelling. So just the, the priorities are very different. And I think that in a journalism ecosystem, you need both um, of those publications to really round out your view. Um but it's a different it's different priorities. So, you know, I didn't have to be on guard every time a kid, you know, cut his list to, to ten and included Louisville in it or even committed. Um, I didn't have to have something up within ten minutes. Um, it was more yes, I still want to be aware of all that stuff. The notifications popping up on my phone did not change, but the way I responded to them was a little bit different in that we just wanted to make sure we were being unique and adding a lot of context to situations. And if that takes, you know, an extra day or so, um, then that's totally fine. So uh, now, you know, I'm going to be going back to kind of that daily news um, environment at the Daily Memphian, um, which is an online-only website. So that's also going to be a, a little bit different from the Courier-Journal because there's no, no print deadlines to contend with or space restrictions. So I think it's kind of going to marry the two jobs that I had before into this new one. Did you seek out the athletic or did the athletic seek you out? And then how did you land the job at the Daily Mythian? Um, I had had informational talks with the athletic for some other positions out of state. Um, you know, I'm from the West Coast and I'm always looking at opportunities that kind of take me back that way. Um, but it wasn't really about anything specific, but, you know, I think they knew my name and, uh, kept an eye on me, I guess. And so they came to me about the Louisville job, um, because my great friend, Jeff Greer, um, was covering Louisville for the athletic beforehand. Um, and then he left, um, uh, or he, I should say he moved into a freelance position with them. So he could go, um, and do some traveling. Um, and so they approached me. Um, and that worked out pretty well. And then the, the Daily Memphian um, also, you know, which is very serendipitous, they swooped in um, the day I was let go from the athletic, and Ronnie Ramos, the executive editor, called me that day, and we started talking, and I think it, within 10 days or so, um, we had a deal done for me to go go there. So it's uh, I've been very fortunate in a lot of aspects of my career, and I don't take it for granted at all. Yeah, you've been fortunate, and I, th I think it's also an indication of the work that you do and people respect it and want you to be part of their team. So kudos to you for that. Well, thank you. I when do you. It. When do you start the Memphis gig? Uh, so my official start date is going to be August 17th. But I gotta get moving. I move in like two weeks, August first. Uh, I start moving all my stuff there, and then I'm hoping to quarantine for a little while, go back and see my family in in California, and then come back and actually start. Have you been in contact with Memphis basketball yet? 
no, not hot yet. Anything like that. No, I'll do that when I get there. Um, been kind of busy with moving details and, um, you know, didn't want to make sure that I was there and kind of more in that headspace and fully starting the job before I started the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you in your career had any difficulties proving your worth to men? <laughs> Lack of a better phrasing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure that there I have. Um, I don't know if I've consciously thought about it because I feel like that's something that you just have to block out sometimes. So I know that the answer to that is probably yes, but I can't say that I've necessarily, you know, thought about it or had um, any conscious conversations about it, but it, it's kind of a thing that goes through your mind every day as a woman. And I, I don't think you think of it as um, something you have to think about. It's just like always there, which is, you know, a sad state of affairs in a way, but it's it's a combination I think of, of me being a woman and just me being young as people, you know, tend not to take me seriously sometimes. Um, I think I, you know, proved people here in Louisville who know me that, that's not the case and ready to, you know, have to do a little bit of proving myself and, you know, earning trust of readers and coaches and everything once I get to Memphis. And that's part of the job too, that I think every reporter starting a new beat has to go through is, you know, kind of proving your worth and earning that trust. But I do think that when you are a woman and you're younger, just starting out in your career, um, that's a, a steeper hill to climb for sure. But I should say that athletes and coaches, usually the most accommodating it's usually um kind of uh, other staffers administrators fans the kind of people around the sport that have and even fellow media members sometimes unfortunately that have a harder time with it um than these athletes and coaches and, and listen to jeff greer who are some of the people who have helped you in your career thus far Oh gosh, there's like too many to list. Um, yeah, Jeff Greer is a great friend of mine. You know, he's a colleague of mine at the Courier Journal, um, and and then remains a great friend. You know, we never worked together at the Athletic, but I slid into his position. And then um, Raina Cash was my sports editor at the Courier Journal for a while, and she's fantastic. Um, you know, Ronnie Ramos is has never really met me, but you know, he is giving me this opportunity in Memphis. Um, and I think it's going to be a, a really, really helpful mentor for me. Um, so many of my f friends and colleagues who I worked with at The Athletic are incredible people. You know, my former editor, Mark Godich, um, friends of mine like Nicole Auerbach, uh, Jordan Rodriguez, uh, Joe Neeson, um, Lindsay Jones. I mean, so many people. Um, I, ca I ha can't even name all of them. We would be on this podcast for hours. Did you ha did you have a sense of cutbacks coming at the athletic? Um, no, to be honest, um, it was kind of out of the blue. Um, but I mean, you know, even in my short time in media, this had was not the first time that something like this has happened to me. Um, it happened being in Gannett um, a couple of times, and so it's just something where you have to roll with the punches. And you know, I'm lucky that. Uh, I really love my job and love this profession, and I'm not burned out yet, but it doesn't make it hurt any less. While covering Louisville, you know, that's quote-unquote big-time athletics, big-time basketball. Do you think 
it'll be different covering Memphis basketball because they're not, I mean, what a college basketball term is, what, power six, power seven, whatever. Do you think there will be any kind of difference there? Uh, no, I'm not expecting much of a difference because I think Memphis as a program under Penny Hardaway, you know, has risen into national prominence just over these last, you know, two or three seasons. Um, and, you know, they're expected to be the third of the season, you know, crossing my fingers here. Um, I think they're going to be a, a major player this year and they should be expected to um, make the NCAA tournament for sure. Um, they've got some great returning guards and wings. Now they just landed, you know, a incredible seven foot center in, in Musa Cisse. Um will be an incoming freshman. So they've got a good squad and I think the history of Memphis basketball, you know, would stack up to a lot of these, you know, quote unquote power six programs. And it's you know, the city is very, very proud of the program. They hold it in high esteem. I think people in other conferences, um, certainly coaches in other conferences, um, hold them in high esteem. So the basketball world is going to be paying attention to the Memphis Tigers. So, I mean, to me, you know, that makes my work all the more important. Have you had any time to look at, study the other teams in the American Athletic Conference? A little bit. I've started looking a little bit at kind of who the, the top contenders are going to be. I think Houston is going to be the, the top contender with Memphis um, to win the conference. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll get more familiar in the coming weeks um, before I, I start. But, you know, I don't approach this job like I have to be an expert, you know, right away, right off the bat. Um, you know, there's always going to be people who know more than me, whether it's, you know, people who've covered the teams for years or, you know, those fans who woke up, um, you know, bleeding blue, essentially. So I'm never going to come in and, and pretend like I know everything, but certainly my goal is to learn as much as possible. How how would you describe your style of writing and or work? Are you um, do you study the game like game film? Are you more interview type person for the long story form, long form stories, the athletic? How do you describe your work? Yeah, I think um, the the different kind of work demands I've had over the years, you know, comparing and contrasting. Um, a daily newspaper with the athletic has really allowed me to round out my skill set to where I do all of those things. Um, and I, I, but I still like to say my bread and butter is kind of the long form features. I really want to get to know people, whether it's um, coaches, players, staff, fans. I do a lot of fan stories. Um, if I find someone interesting, um, get to know what makes them people. I think that too often, you know, we think of, we see these athletes and they're at the school for, you know, max four years and you might know all of their stats and everything about what they can do on the court. But, you know, I think it makes it more interesting for both fans of that team and fans in general to consume actual basketball games if they know something else about this person's personality. So that's really what I try to get at. Um, and that's the work that I'm most proud of, but I definitely do a lot of film analysis um, a lot of kind of lighter side stories and, and kind of quick hitters, but those like big profiles are definitely my favorite. Are you into analytics? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ken Palm and um, uh, sites like that, it's 
a little much at times, I think, for some, some readers, but I definitely am into scouring that. Okay. So I think you and you and I may have some discussions on that throughout okay. our, our throughout our time, and, and, and that's cool. Um, what? Let's see. Oh, when you announced that you were had landed the gig at Daily Memphian, I think you tossed out on Twitter suggestions, or somewhere on tweeting, you and food seem to come up. Are you a foodie? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I think my number one hobby probably is eating. Um, so, I mean, everyone needs a good hobby to balance out work, right? And uh, I love yeah. watching other sports, but I think getting away from sports sometimes uh, is healthy. Um, some of the food I eat is not healthy, but uh, definitely, you know, I miss a lot of things about California and, and really good Mexican food is one of them. So tacos are kind of my vice and I like to, and to try and find new places to eat. Um, and wherever I travel, even if I'm just traveling somewhere for a road game, um, I like to find, you know, the food that makes that city special and that's really unique to that place. But then my go-to after that is always finding a good taco spot. Okay. So based on that, moving to Memphis, you know, Memphis is famous for food-wise. Obviously, right. Oh, oh, yeah. My new apartment is right next to a barbecue spot, so I'm I'm all ready to dive into that as well. But you know, I know myself, and I know I'm still going to want to get my taco fixed in between all the barbecue. But what what kind of tacos? You know, there's some chopped brisket tacos, things like that. You know, I'm sure it makes has. Oh yeah, I'm sure that those will be good. But I'm like a very like basic Californian. I just need my corn tortilla, my meat, whatever that is, traditional Mexican preparation, cilantro, onion, and a good salsa. Like, that's that's my jam. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. College hoops-wise, the last uh, two seasons, well, last year, um, I think Louisville men's hoops, would you say kind of exceeded expectations? Um. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's unfortunate we didn't get to see a March Madness because I would have liked to see what that team could do. I think in Chris Mack's first year, you know, they made the tournament. They got knocked out in the very first round by Minnesota, and that was really under underachieving in a way um, for how that team had kind of been crescendoing um, towards the end of the season. They had kind of an up-and-down start to conference play that year. And so given that first year, this Chris Mack's second year, I think, was really, really exceeding expectations. Um, I think people, you know, had expectations of, you know, possibly at least winning two tournament games, at least Sweet 16, Elite 8. Um, and I think that's that's kind of about where I would have put the ceiling as well. Um, so it, it was disappointing to not see that play out and just kind of see how it went. But uh, I think they're losing quite a lot going into this upcoming season. But they're also bringing in um, a pretty good class and think that they can definitely match what they were putting out in 2019-20. Did you have the opportunity to go on the road to cover the team? Yeah. Yeah, I always went on the road, uh, both my jobs. Well, well I mean, with, with that, so you're, uh, so you're well, I, I mean, you had to big time a publication, so that makes sense. Because I know I, I've interviewed a few colleagues, and they 
were not assigned to road games. You know, people where they work is football centric and basketball took a backseat to football. So what has been yeah, your yeah. favorite venue, uh, road venue to visit, attend, to watch a game? Ooh, I mean, Cameron Indoor, you know, when, when Louisville played at Duke this last season, like, that is incredible for all the reasons that everyone always talks about. Um, you know, I made sure to wear a sweater I didn't particularly care for because uh, I knew that the crazies were going to be pressed up against me um, with their paint, and that turned out to be a wise choice. Uh, but, you know, just the history in that arena, I always, I really like small environments. I think that, you know, it's just the the KFC Yum Center is incredible and it's pretty much an NBA arena, you know, where Louisville plays, but it's so mm-hmm. cavernous that you don't get, and, and so new, it was built in 2010, that you don't really get that feeling of history and that feeling of, you know, people being really frenzied and passionate because it's so far away from you, at least like where I sit for media seating there. So uh, while it, you know, was a little bit annoying at times to be, you know, so right up against everyone at Duke. I think it's what really makes that environment one of the best in college basketball. Um, and that was really, really awesome. Will you be uh, traveling with Memphis Blue Games? Yeah, I believe I will. I should have that opportunity. Um, of course, you know, we've got to see what happens with COVID, but if this was a non-COVID yeah. situation, definitely, yes. All of them? All road games? Yeah. Wow, wow cool. Okay. All right. Well, you're one of the few then so far who I've spoken to in conference. That's, okay, that's great. I think you and Taylor Eldred at Wichita State so far are the, are the ones that will be on the road with the team. So that, that's very good. Okay. Um, I hope so because I love visiting new, new cities and I haven't been to a lot of the cities um, in the American, so I would like that opportunity. Um, we'll have to see how things go. Have you been to Houston yet? I have not been to Houston. Okay, well, as we, you said a couple times, if we do have a season and Memphis comes to Houston, we have to meet and while we're at the game and and you know show you around the center because I think it is capacity is seven thousand, so it's cozy confines. So I think you'll you you should like it. Hopefully you'll like it. Hopefully you get a chance to see it first off. You know. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Because that means basketball season. How has, if at all, has um, the pandemic impacted you? Um. Well, I guess the, the number one would be being laid off because of financial implications on my company from the pandemic. So there's a there's the first thing, and then the second thing is uh, it's been a little stressful trying to organize a, a move to another state throughout all of this. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so those are two big, pretty big things, I guess. But you know, that's it. I, I'm very lucky that you know while I did lose my job, I was able to find another one. I'm not struggling financially like some people are miss this I don't have to I was working from home um, beforehand and so you know I wasn't in a situation where I had to still go into work or where you know my job really changed because of my work environment and I always worked from home so um, it was relatively smooth sailing until the last couple of weeks where are you in the discussion of the 
start of college basketball? Should it start on time in November? Should it wait till January, conference only? Where are you in, in the discussion? Where we are right now in terms of cases spiking across the country and just kind of the um, inconsistency from state to state and even conference to conference um, on how they want to handle things, I don't think that it should start. College basketball should start on time, especially because it looks now a lot of conferences are canceling or postponing fall sports. Um, So, you know, even the football season is kind of hanging in the balance. And, you know, obviously for a lot of schools, when football happens, it's going to determine a lot about basketball. You know, you have schools like Syracuse that share a venue for both of their sports. So I wonder what happens if you, you know, are moving the timelines around too much. I think that the best bet at this juncture is to just start plan to start college basketball season in January, just do conference play. And I know that that raises a lot of other issues as far as, you know, NCAA um, tournament selection committee criteria. But, you know, that's kind of if we're at the point where it's have no season at all or try to salvage some semblance of a season and maybe have an expanded tournament, um, then, you know, I would rather take that latter option. I'm I'm with you. I I, I think starting in January, conference only. But I would like to get to your thoughts on, because I really haven't thought about it in detail, what would be your idea or suggestion for tournament selections for the committee if it's just a conference-only season? See, the 38 think, teams, yeah. I'll just break it down. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, expanding it to 96, it just – it kind of takes some of the fun out of the tournament as being this exclusive thing, right? But I think that that's something you might have to do um, just just because of the parameters. You know, you're, it's hard to judge weaker conferences playing just within their conference against stronger conferences. Um, and so I think a lot of it is going to have to come down to, you know, more more eyeball tests and more things that are, you know, a little bit less subjective or more subjective, I should say. Um, You can't just do what you do normally and say, oh, we're going to look at the net and it's going to be all data-driven. That data is not good if you know that it is inherently flawed because you have no chance of playing stronger competition if you're in a stereotypically weaker conference. So I think that, you know, I've been to, you mentioned being at one of the selection committee um gosh what is it called not trainings like simulations Mo- in, mock in, selection yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, I attended one of those a couple of years ago as well and so i came away like i know how difficult it is i know how much you have to study and how many factors you have to take into consideration and it's a hard job um mm-hmm. and this is definitely going to make it a lot harder but i think that you can't just go by the same old protocols that's definitely not going to work I mean, because there are 32 conferences. Is that right? 31, 32, something like that? Yeah. So the conference champ, let's see, I'm trying to think in my head. You take the regular season champ? Okay, where are you, where are you on the, would you prefer the regular season champ just in, in a typical year? Mm-hmm. Or should um, the conference tra- championship, champion 
be the representative. You know, a team gets hot in three or four days and they represent the conference rather than the team that could have been 18-2 and just had a bad day in the tournament and done, just not get a trip to the NCAA. Where are you on that line? Um, I don't really have, like, a super hard stance on this, but I enjoy conference tournaments. You know, I think that I, I get the the opinion that, you know, yeah, you can have someone who clearly deserves it and was clearly dominant all season long, and then they have a bad day or maybe, you know, someone is injured, um, and that's why they lose early in the tournament. But that's what happens in March Madness too. So I think it's kind of, you know, getting in that mindset a little – you know, tweener between the regular season and the big dance that they make it there. Um, and I think it just kind of adds some excitement and helps ease into the postseason. So I enjoy them. Had you had a chance or did you have a chance while covering Louisville to look at the American Athletic Conference overall, like any type of macro view? Uh, no, Louisville didn't play in the years that I covered them. I should say the years that I covered them full-time at least. Um, did not play anyone from the American. So I was pretty much focused on the ACC holistically, and you know those are the games that I watched in my spare time, um, mm-hmm. you know, unless it was, you know, some of the bigger preseason games. So, yeah, I've caught some American teams on TV every now and then, but, you know, I definitely don't consider myself an expert, didn't really pay attention to it. So uh, that'll start now, and I'm excited to start learning because I know there's some good basketball. What is your – have you heard your – what is the perception of the conference on a national level? Uh, I mean, like I I said earlier, I think uh, Memphis and Houston are kind of the two teams at the forefront of everyone's mind and, you know – UConn leaving, I think, um, kind of takes the American down a peg in terms of, like, national relevance in a way. Um, I think it's a great move for UConn, don't get me wrong, going back to the Big East, even though it's entirely different from when they were there before. Um, but I think that was one of kinda the, the programs with a lot of name recognition that, you know, people, just casual fans scanning around college basketball go, oh, yeah, like, UConn's in the American. Okay, like, I know them. Um, and I think that you know, no offense to the other programs, but Memphis and Houston are, are the only other two teams in the American who I, I really believe kind of have that and have had that for some time. That's fair. You know, I mean, I, I agree with that. Maybe tossing Wichita State. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, the Shockers. For sure. You mentioned based on um, the talent that Penny and Memphis has, do you believe I ask everybody this? And just so you know, Danielle, I hope you are agreeable to do another podcast once you officially start at the Daily Memphian so we can talk more about Memphis. That's cool with you. Yes, please, because I'm not I'm not showing my stuff right now because I don't know anything at the moment. Oh no, no, that's that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I, I mean, you're, you're doing great. <laughs> Trust me on that. But do you think that just as of today, mm-hmm. the American is a multi-bid league. Yes. Um, I would say I think I think Memphis, if they don't make it, that would be 
uh, a big failure uh, on Penny Hardaway's part. Um, with it, there's no excuse with the amount of talent that they have. I know that they're still young, but you know there's and he's lost a couple of assistant coaches. But uh, I think that just looking at sheer talent, they need to make it. And then I think, like I said, Houston should make it too. Um, and I haven't really studied a lot of the other teams that much to, you know, really know their chances for sure. But, yeah, multi-bid conference is, is something I'm comfortable going with. How many Zoom calls have you done this summer? Oh, gosh, too many. A lot of them are, like, <laughs> with my family. They always want – they're like, we're eating dinner. Will you join us for dinner? But they're in California, and I'm like, it's 9.30 p.m., I don't really want to like sit on Zoom and watch you eat, but that has happened a lot. Um, but yeah, too many. I think I'm I'm a Zoom expert at this point. Because I mean, I, you know, I mean, you know, you, you may not even it too much thought, but it's probably the way we're going to have to go for for media day in whenever October, <laughs> December, <laughs> whenever. So okay, yeah. Is, oh. How what is your how can folks find you on Twitter? Oh, I am at Danielle underscore learner. That's L E R N E R. And people can follow you there and and learn about hoops and, and food and tacos. So Definitely. Um, and um my email, my DMs are open, um as you know, and my email is on there. I don't have my uh Memphis email set up yet, but my Gmail's on there if anyone has tips about, you know, basketball or Memphis or food or um, any of the other uh, cities or teams in the American, um, please, I am all ears. That sounds good. And I, I'm pretty sure some fans of teams in the American, if they don't already, they will um, start following you and give you some suggestions and, and you'll learn that there are some very passionate people, to say the least. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's, you know, a corner of the college basketball universe that doesn't have passionate people. That's what I love about it. Is there anything, and I guess we can call this part one, is there anything you want to touch on that I haven't asked you about? No, no, I think uh, we got it all for sure. So I'm excited to get to Memphis in August and hit the ground running. Thank you very much, Danielle. Danielle Lerner, of the, as of officially August 17th, the Daily Memphian. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to talking to you, with you in the future. Sure thing. Take care.